Hello everyone and welcome. I'm Jeffrey, minister and chaplain with JHE Ministries and today we are going to continue with our Bible study which is in the Gospel of Luke. Now last time we started to unpack chapter 20 so if you have your Bible turn with me to chapter 20 and let's continue with verse 27. So let's get into it. Now, verse 27, we're going to begin with the Sadducees, and we're going to have a discussion about the resurrection. So, verse 27 begins, Then some of the Sadducees, who deny that there is a resurrection, came to him and asked him, saying, Teacher, Moses wrote to us that if a man's brother dies, having a wife, and he dies without children, his brother should take his wife and raise up offspring for his brother. Now there were seven brothers, and the first took a wife and died without children. And the second took her as a wife, and he died childlessly. Then the third Turk took her, and in like manner the seven also, and they left no children and died. Last of all, the woman died also. Therefore, in the resurrection, whose wife does she become? For all seven had her as wife. And Jesus answered and said to them, The sons of this age marry and are given in marriage, but those who are counted worthy to attain that age and the resurrection from the dead neither marry nor are given in marriage, nor can they die any more, for they are equal to the angels and are the sons of God, being sons of the resurrection. But even Moses showed in the burning bush passage that the dead are raised, when he called the Lord the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. For he is not the God of the dead, but of the living, for all live to him. Then some of the scribes answered and said, Teacher, you have spoken well. But after that, they dared not question him any more. Resurrection and marriage, and the Sadducees and the resurrection riddle. Now this controversy section continues with still another group that's challenging Jesus, the Sadducees. Now the Sadducees tended to be more conservative than the Pharisees, but did not accept what they considered theological accretions to the beliefs. The Old Testament has little specific to say about the future state of the individual after death. Now the Pharisees leaned toward a belief in resurrection that owed more to Greek ideas than to the Old Testament. However, the Sadducees refused even to face the clear implications of Old Testament teaching about the future state. Since the attempt to trap Jesus in a political question failed, some of the Sadducees next came to him with a theological quibble. They denied the possibility of the bodies of the dead ever being raised again. So they sought, by an extreme illustration, to make the doctrine of resurrection appear ridiculous. 
So in verses 28 to 33, we see that they reminded Jesus that in the law of Moses, a single man was supposed to marry his brother's widow in order to carry on the family name and to preserve the family property. And we can take a look at Deuteronomy chapter 25, verse 5, uh, for reference. Now, a woman married seven brothers in succession, according to their story. When the seventh died, she was still without child. She hadn't had any children by any of the men that she had married. And then finally, she dies. In the resurrection... Whose wife does she become, is the question. This is what they wanted to know. And they thought they were so clever in propounding such an unanswerable problem. Now, the hypothetical case of a woman who had successively had seven husbands rests on the Jewish law that is described as I said, in Deuteronomy chapter 25, but take a look at verses 5 and 6. Because it provided for the remarriage of a widow to the brother of a husband who died childless. And the purpose, again, of remarriage was being to provide the descendants to carry on with the deceased husband's name. And the Sadducees assumed the idea of resurrection involves sexual reunion with one's early partner or partners. But we see in verse 34 that Jesus responds along these lines. It is not legitimate to project earthly conditions into the future state. Jesus answered that the marriage relationship was for this life only that it would not be continued in heaven. He did not say that husbands and wives would not recognize each other in heaven, but the relationship there would be on a completely different basis than it is on earth. So in verse 35, the expression, those who are counted worthy to attain that age does not suggest that any people are personally worthy of heaven. The only worthiness sinners can have is the worthiness of the Lord Jesus Christ. Those are counted worthy who judge themselves, who vindicate Christ, and who own that all worthiness belongs to him. The phrase resurrection from the dead refers to a resurrection of believers only. It literally means resurrection out from the dead ones. The idea of a general resurrection in which all the dead, both saved and unsaved, are raised at one time is not found in the Bible. In verse 36, the superiority of the celestial state is further indicated in this verse. There is no more death in that respect. Men will be equal to the angels. Also, they will be manifested as sons of God. Believers are sons of God already, but not to outward observance. In heaven, they will be visibly manifested as sons of God. 
The fact that they participated in the first resurrection ensures this. We know that when he, which is Christ, is revealed, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Take a look at 1 John chapter 3, verse 2. And when Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Colossians chapter 3, verse 4. Eternal life is actually the life of the age to come. Now take a look at with me in verses 37 and 38. To prove the resurrection, Jesus referred to Exodus chapter 3, verse 6, where Moses quoted the Lord as calling himself the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Now, if the Sadducees would just stop to think, they would realize that, number one, God is not the God of the dead, but of the living. The second thing they would realize is Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob were all dead. The necessary conclusion is, then, that God must raise them from the dead. The Lord did not say, I was the God of Abraham. But I am. The character of God as the God of the living demands the resurrection. Now the believer already participates in that life, but its full expression involving the resurrection of the body must wait till the new age has fully come. And though in the coming age believers do not become angels, they do not become gods, they do share certain characteristics of angels, such as marriage. Angels are not given in marriage. The Greek syntax places the comment about angels nearer to to no longer die and neither marry. Now this moves the emphasis from the issue of marriage to that of the nature of the resurrection. God's children are children characterized by the resurrection, invoking, so to speak, the authority of Moses, whom the Sadducees revered. And Jesus shows that Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob are also going to rise. So therefore, their existence does not lie only in the past, but also in the future as well. And God is called in contemporary terms, their God. So moving on to verse 41, let's go back to our scripture here. And we're going to take a look at how Jesus, how can David call his descendant Lord? And I want to take a look at just a couple verses here. Begin with verse 41. It says, And he said to them, and that is Jesus, How can they say that the Christ is the son of David? Now, David himself said in the book of Psalms, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. Therefore David calls him Lord. How is he then his son? Jesus' answer is approved by some of the teachers of the law who are happy to see the Sadducees lose their argument. Jesus' wisdom has silenced all of his questioners. 
And some of the scribes had to admit the force of the argument. But Jesus was not finished. Once again, he appealed to God's word. Psalm chapter 110 verse 1. David called the Messiah his Lord. The Jews generally agreed that the Messiah would be the son of David. How could he be David's Lord and David's son at the same time? Well, the Lord Jesus himself was the answer to the question. He was descended from David as son of man, yet he was David's creator. But they were blind to see this very fact. And Jesus' question is not intended to suggest that there could not be a descendant of David who was also Lord, but that the seemingly irreconcilable has meaning only if he is more than just a human descendant. Now, Paul expressed a complete answer to the question in the book of Romans, chapter 1, verses 3 through 4, which says that Jesus was a descendant of David as to his human nature, but declared Son of God by his resurrection. Now let's continue just a little further here. I'd like to end this chapter. And we're going to start looking at verses 45 to 47. That'll finish up our chapter. We have the sonship of Christ we have a warning against the scribes. The opponents of Jesus's are silenced. And this controversy section concludes with a radical question Jesus puts to his questioners. One that is designed to clarify from scripture exactly who the Christ is. So join with me back in our scriptures here. And we'll begin with verse 45. As it says, Then, in the hearing of all the people, he said to his disciples, Beware of the scribes who desire to go around in long robes, love greetings in the marketplaces, the best seats in the synagogues, and the best places at feasts, who devour widows' houses, and for a pretense make long prayers. These will receive greater condemnation. Now, having responded with such authority to his opponents and their controversial questions, Jesus now comments on those who sought to disprove his authority. Jesus publicly warned the crowd against the scribes. They wore long robes, affecting piety. They loved to be called by distinguished titles as they would walk through the marketplaces. They maneuvered to get to places of prominence in the synagogues and at banquets. And they robbed defenseless widows of their life savings, covering up their wickedness by long prayers. Such hypocrisy would be punished all the more severely. Now here, Jesus stresses their pride 
and he stresses their ostination, as well as accuses them of taking advantage of all the widows. So apparently, they misuse the responsibility as being legal arbiters of their people. And with that, we will close chapter 20. Next time, we will begin a new chapter, chapter 21, where you are getting closer to being finished with the book of Luke. So next time, be sure to come back and join me as we begin with the widow's two mites. Until then, God bless you, and keep living Christian strong.